Talk Herdy to Me. Taking a deep dive into Border Collies and other herding breeds, helping you play to their strengths, minimize their weaknesses, and understand their quirks. Listen in to learn for leading training and behavior experts on how to set your dog up for success, understand your urban herder more, and hit those training goals. Hello and welcome back to Talk Herdy to Me, the podcast where we maximize their strengths, minimize their weaknesses, and understand the quirks. Today we have the wonderful Lauren Lane with us from Canine Conversation, who is based in uh, Perth, Australia. Um, we're going to be talking all things dogs and kids. Lauren is a certified dog behavior consultant and a member of the IMD. TB. She has recently completed Michael Cascio's aggression course, um, aggression in dogs master course. She's been working with dogs for 14 years and specifically within training and behavior for the last eight. Um, you specialize in helping dogs with big feelings such as fear, frustration, anxiety, or even aggression. Um, and it, your goal is to create a nice open communication with understanding between the dogs and their caregivers. You currently share your life with two wonderful little boys called Lennox and Tommy, and you have a dog who is a bit of a mix, really. She has a mixture of Kelpie, Staffy, and Healer, and she's called Sophie. Um, so hi, Lauren. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Oh, brilliant. Um, so I think we'll get straight into it, really. It's yeah. a really sort of prevalent topic, this, um, in terms of within the UK, we've had quite a few sort of maulings or deaths, in fact, um, from children and dogs. The children haven't done the mauling, it's the dogs that have done the mauling, um, just to clarify. Um, and it's kind of, it's something that's kind of really coming, a regular occurrence, I'd say, especially in the UK. Um, and I think... For me, I've started to notice that the expectation we place on our dogs and what we allow or what we allow children to do is massively changed in terms of, I grew up with terriers. Um, we had a little cairn terrier called Bracken. And if he ever growled, um, my mum would come in and say, what have you done to the dog? It would be my fault. We will have done something to make him growl. And we were always told if Bracken growled to walk away, to create distance, basically. Um, whereas now I think that's kind of changed a little bit more, whereas we seem to be seeing dogs where the dog growl and the dog gets shouted at. It's the dog's fault for saying no. Is that something you would agree with? Absolutely. I think that, you know, the, the growl is a warning system. And if we take away that um, that warning, the next step is, is potentially a bite. Um, so, you know, and a lot can happen before the growl, um, which I think is so important for, um, for, you know, not just homes with children, but for all, all um, owners or caregivers to have an understanding of, of body language. And I just think that, you know, the amount of dogs that are in homes around the world, although, you know, one attack or one mauling is one too many, we put a lot on our dogs and there should really be more. The the amount of, um, you know, uh, what we expect from our dogs, um, you know, and it, with all due respect to the families, I can't imagine how devastating it would be for them but it all comes down to you know poor poor supervision and, and lack of education and, and we've all been there I've experienced it myself um I've had I've had my dog Sophie growl at my toddler and I was devastated I thought to myself how could this be happening to me I like this is what I do for a living and I was right there sitting there next to her um but I took that as information and it, you know my emotions are connected to this this case if you call it because it's my dog and my child but we uh, made extra precautions and managements we've got baby gates all throughout our house um we've got a large one that separates our house into two um and you know it's just when 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 our dogs need space we need to appreciate that and we need to help our children understand what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for the dogs as well um I think so much comes into uh, with different variables, you know, um, a dog that's tied up out the front of a shopping centre, um, not to approach the dog, you know, with the, they, they've removed their flight. Um, you know, I teach my boys to blow kisses to the dogs when we see dogs because children get excited with animals and they feel like when they blow them a kiss, they're interacting with them and that they love it um, without actually approaching them. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much what it comes down to. And then we need to look at the, the dog's um, physical body, you know, um, is the dog in pain? You know, it, does it have an earache? Is that why the dog's growled today? Understanding what a healthy dog feels and looks like. Is the dog losing its um, 
hearing, you know, a startle reflex of a sleeping dog. There's this, this um, poor eyesight. You know, all, all these different variables come into it. And, you know, we were just talking before about different um, ages as well for the, for dogs that they're, they're comfortable with babies, not comfortable with toddlers. They might be great with kids, don't like teenagers, um, you know, and be, being aware of that. And that might literally be that that's what they've been exposed to as, as, a, as a young puppy or, um, you know, or had negative associations during sensitive periods um, that have led them to become more, um, you know, using these in distance increasing behaviours that are ignored. Or we could go down the predatory motor pattern, um, you know, babies crying. Um, you know, it's, this is where it comes to so many different variables and in the, in the individual to the dog. Um, yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot kind of to consider with this. And you kind of, you touched on it a little yeah. bit briefly there, but like you said, that it's like you said earlier, if you take the growl out of the dog, it's taking the batteries out of the smoke alarm. Yeah, You're not yeah, going to have yeah. any warning or anything like that. Yeah. And you said that there was obviously, there's a lot that kind of comes before a growl, but what are the common yeah. sort of signs that you may potentially see from your dog of sort of them trying to explain that they're uncomfortable without oh, yeah. getting to the point of a growl? You know, it could it could be something as simple as a look, as a look away, um, a yawn, you know, um, multiple sneezing, you know, um, normal normal behaviors out of context you know it, 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 your dog's yawning right now <laughs> is she is is it he or she i can't remember she, which one she is she tired you know the tongue flick you know licking their nose um you know it is going back you know my son knows with sophie's ears are back that she could potentially be worried and he becomes concerned about her so it's just you know teaching the kids um you know the warning system what you know keep those batteries in the smoke alarm you know, yeah. could potentially save your life or or, or your or a, a trip to the emergency. Yes. Yeah. So, and you know, it's our job as our as parents and our job as caregivers to our dogs to protect and advocate for them. Um, so, you know, it leave your ego at the door. If your dog growls at you, it's nothing to do with your pride. It's to do with the dog is it, uncomfortable, and it's so important. Yeah, and I think there's not enough people that actually that understand body language effectively and know what they're looking at a lot of my clients yeah. I see will come to me and I'm like oh your dog's just done this and your dog's just done that and like yeah. well what does that mean or they're not even noticing it because they don't know what to look for and there's yeah. some really good resources out there that are free on YouTube um, and places like that so you can watch a quick video to sort yeah. of start to get an understanding of body Absolutely. language Family Paws I know we talked about Family Paws before so I don't forget it that's a brilliant website the lady, um, oh, I forget her name now, but she's done multiple interviews on like podcasts if you prefer to listen to. But she has free resources where you can print out what active supervision lo- looks like. It doesn't mean like being in the same room as your dog and your child. It means you are there with them at arm's reach. And even sometimes that's, you know, not enough. So um, definitely check out Family Paws. It's just a link in the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... I, as well, the um, Kim Brophy, her legs module. So the legs is um, the L is the learning, the E is the experience and education, the G is the um, genetics, and then self is the age, the breed, um, you know, illnesses, um, you know, all, all that type of stuff. And that all comes into it. So it doesn't necessarily need to be, um, you know, breedist or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, it's the dog as a whole. Um, but, you know, there are bigger and stronger and more powerful dogs you know if, if a if a smaller um you know little chihuahua or something like that it you know it still would hurt but it couldn't potentially kill you but it could very much cause a lot of damage to a small child um but taking that into consideration as well I always feel so uncomfortable when I see dogs at the school I've seen a um a woman walk a dog past um at our school with a prong collar on and I I'm still working up the courage to give us some information <laughs> But, you know, situations like that, I just feel like you're just putting a dog in a situation where they're going to have to bite because you're suppressing all of the other behaviours that, you know. Yeah, could definitely. Be. And I think it's it's so important that we a, learn to read our dogs but understand what our dogs enjoy. So we were discussing this a little bit earlier in terms of Aoife is incredibly honest with 
yes. what she says and how she behaves. Um, if she's feeling a certain type of way, I can look and I can totally understand how she's feeling. Yeah. She gives yeah. so much through her body language. She is, yeah. she's a really expressive dog. Um, yes. However, Piper, my youngest, isn't, she has, she her kind of go-to is a freeze response. So what she right. does when she's feeling uncomfortable, she'll kind of freeze up or she'll end up, what she does is she ends up on her back showing her belly, which for can be really conflicting for people. It's inviting, inviting to a belly rub. Yes, yeah. people see their belly up, which means that she wants a stroke. But that's not always the thing. That is her trying to appease this being like, yeah. I don't want to yeah. get hurt. And what she does is she ends up in situations where it can be look conflicting for the person, yeah. but it's because she's in conflict. So she's opening herself up, showing her belly, but it's actually yeah. like, I'm really uncomfortable, leave me alone um, yeah. type of situation, which I think can be really difficult for people who don't know her and like don't understand why she's doing it if she, yeah. she does it I'll be like oh, can you just back off and like give her a bit of space and like oh but she wants a belly rub and I'm no she, she actually she's conflicted in the situation and she's trying to make herself feel better but I don't yeah. want to push that and um her then eventually have to escalate those behaviors into a bite or a growl or something yeah. like that yeah. So I think knowing your dog and knowing what their go-to strategy is, whether it's fight, flight, fool around or freeze, uh, is your dog likely to want to flee? Are they on lead? Can they not do that? Does that mean they're going to have to choose a different one? Um, yeah. Understanding yeah, what your dog's... Those frantic, frantic friend makers where they look like they're confident and it's the complete opposite, you know, yeah. confident wants to be your best friend and then yeah. that goes into panic. Yeah, and you can see this quite a lot. So I see it with collies. I always say collies are quite likely to go for teeth as a strategy in terms of if they're uncomfortable with something, they they will kind of resort to a snap. Um, yeah. Whereas for other breeds, such as like your gun dogs and stuff, they're very much a big fan of the fool around, whereby yeah. they will put something in their mouth because it feels good, that genetic drive to have and to hold, want something in their mouth. Yeah. And they'll fuss around you. Have you ever yes. seen that, that typical spaniel that is moving seven million miles per hour round loads of dogs or round someone's feet? And it's not actually comfortable. It's it's almost frantic with it. Um, and it's again, it's an uncomfortability. But that's yes. just the dog. And but it's going through those genetic drives to move. It's yeah. part of that quartering. It's part of that um spaniel's genetic drive and that need to have something in their mouth so that's what they do when they're like oh, i don't know what to do i'm going to do this whereas with collies they tend to you can either end up with herding or you can end up with teeth coming out because yeah it's it's what we what we've kind of bred for them yeah um, yeah so i think that's kind of a really interesting thing to us sort of understand what your dog is likely to do in a situation where they're, they're putting that they're uncomfortable with as well yeah um, yeah, definitely. Genetics does, does play a role because, you know, like you just said, what, what is their default behavior? What's something that help makes, you know, what will they do in a stressful situation? You tend to get those behaviors come out, um, you know, and I think that appreciating your dog's, um, you know, honest behaviors and understanding those, they'll, they will use smaller behaviors rather than the, the bite and the growl or the growl and the bite, sorry, um, because you, um, you know, you have shown them when you display this behavior a, a look away I understand that you're uncomfortable and I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out you you know you don't need to do anything else I've got it, got it covered um and it you know it, it, that's where we do create a communication and you know structure and then they get their confidence because they know that we're going to help them out um yeah. So you obviously, you also mentioned some boundaries that you kind of put in place in terms of and some yeah. management strategies. But what are, yeah. what are some things that people can do either in the home or when they're out and about to help manage um, their dog around children or put some boundaries in place? What, what are some of the sort of things that you've done with your children or your clients and things like that? Yeah. OK, so um, with I think one of the really important, um, uh, you know exercises to work on your dog in the home is a recall because you know when we're all in a panic and we yell no that increases the level of anxiety for everybody but if you can if your child or your dog is you know away from you you can't get to them rather than yelling no and running to them call your dog away get a reflex to name it's going to lot decrease decrease um you know anxiety frustration whatever is about to happen and you're going to get your dog out of there and then good things happen um when you're out and about with your dog, always advocate for your dog. If your dog needs space, if your dog's in the lead, I always, we, we go on hiking walks with other dogs and some of the dogs are, um, you know, they're a little bit anxious building up their confidence. And so I explain to my kids, you know, you don't like strangers touching you and coming up to you and being in your face. Sometimes dogs feel that way. 
and I'll say, you know, you, when you know, when we're on our walk for a little, you know, once we've warmed up into our walk, you can throw some treats at the dog, but we invite the dog to us. We don't go up to them. And if the dog comes up to you, we still respect space. And but that's something that I've really instilled into my kids because um, you know, especially working with dogs that do have anxiety issues. Um I, I, I want to make sure that my kids are always safe as well. So I think that's really, really important yeah. to, um, you know, set your kids up to succeed as well as your dogs. We were um, at a show at the weekend. We, we were asked to come down and do a demonstration, a little demo um, of some of the stuff that we do. We have a like a trick class that we do. So we went and did a short routine and we did some of the tricks and showed some people how to train some of the tricks. But the amount, yeah. as we were like coming out of the ring, the amount of people, adults included, that just came over and touched some of the dogs yeah. Uh, yeah. without asking was quite yeah. unbelievable. Um, luckily, all the dogs were okay with it, um, apart from one um, who I was handling because um, both my dogs couldn't come one's just had surgery and one's in pups I didn't want to bring up yeah yeah I was handling one of my clients dogs um and he is okay with people he knows but he's a bit worried by strangers and I had to literally like be all full-on ninja telling people oh, don't, don't touch yeah. them yeah yeah um, yeah but the amount of people and kids that would literally would because they were Shiba Inus which are quite a rare breed of um Japanese yeah dogs. yeah they look like little foxes. They are really damn cute. cute yeah. People that just came over and touched them then, yeah. without asking or they would have their hand already touching the dog. They'll kind of say hello to your dog, at which point it's too late. Um, yeah. But having that communication with owners as well is important to say, am I okay to say hello to your dog? Um, yeah. Nine times out of ten, I will always say, if someone asks me that, I'll say, if she wants to say hello, just put your hand down. If she comes to you, say hello. If she doesn't, leave it be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's another thing. If you don't feel comfortable with speaking up for your dog, then don't take them to those situations. Um, there's a friend at the school and she's got this beautiful little puppy. And the other day, you know, all the kids coming up touching the puppy and I couldn't help myself but to say one at a time, back away, you're going to scare the dog. And she was so grateful for me saying that because she just felt too you know, uncomfortable to tell anyone what to do. And I said, well, you know, leave leave him in the car. It's still exposure. You know, you can still see everything that's going on here. We don't need all these hands coming in. Like, how frightening. And he's being held. Yeah. He's only little. <laughs> yeah. Bless him. But, you know? yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of it's working on sort of getting your puppies and things used to it, but but also mm. it's making sure that you you, you are for your dog. You're capable to say, actually, no, your dog, my dog is unlikely to want to greet you or yeah. just say not today. Or I have been, um, when I used to have Jasper, because um, he was quite severely reactive, um, if people came over or weren't respecting um, our boundaries and things, I used to tell them that he was contagious. And you Oh, yeah, yeah, they've got parvo. <laughs> you have never seen people move away as quick. Um, yeah. Then if you say, oh, you, oh, I will communicate with people, I'll be like, you need to get your dog, please get your dog, your dog needs to leave. Yeah. And if people were like, oh, mine's friendly, he's fine, whatever, I'd say, oh, yeah. well, he's contagious. And people <laughs> would literally run to get yeah, there. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not something I would necessarily advocate for because you don't really want to be known as typhoid, typhoid labor <laughs> with the dog, infectious dog. Yeah. Um, but it is it is something that I did use in, yeah. in certain circumstances where people were just completely ignoring it. And it yeah. was really a stressful situation yeah. for Jasper. Um, so obviously a lot of sort of interacting with these dogs, it's about building a good relationship and building a nice bond with the dog. What are some yeah. things that kids can do with um, their own dogs, other people, friends, dogs, things like that, obviously dogs that are known to them, um, to build that nice bond and that relationship? Yeah, definitely. I think the way that um, kids can be involved is, um, you know, helping think of creative ideas on making their enrichment um you know it could be like hiding their food or collecting cardboard egg cartons um you know doing hide and seek um for, uh, you know or, or even blowing bubbles so with them so sophie's got every breed that's in her i see come out so she likes chasing she likes all that kind of stuff so i'll go outside with the kids and um they'll blow bubbles for her and then afterwards we'll throw a scatter feed so to bring all the energy levels down and that way there's absolutely no contact there's no they don't need to touch her um or it could just be simple as you know asking her to do a sit um and they throw the treat. So I don't really like children hand hand like giving the treat in the mouth just because um, if they don't deliver it correctly, it can cause a bit of frustration. The dogs can snap or so, you know, 
if you throw the treat, you can repeat the behavior again. So they feel like they're really, you know, really empowered little dog trainers when they ask their dogs to to sit. And even if the dogs don't really understand what the children are asking, they'll they'll practice repertoires of behaviors that they they know. And um, you know, it builds a nice um, relationship, a nice calm, positive relationship between the dogs. Um, and if you get your kids to clean the enrichment stuff like Kongs and Mickey Mats, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the age of the child also really matters in terms of yeah, understanding and stuff. So we actively um, encourage children to come to our puppy classes and things like that. Yeah. We want the whole family there. Um, and we did have, we had the most wonderful, um, he was a standard poodle, absolutely fantastic. And he was handled by the child of the family, the entire, all of the classes. Her mum and dad yeah. came and supervised, but it was it was her that handled him and did and put him through all these assessments and stuff. She was 13 and he was a big adolescent um standard poodle. He was big. Um, but he he was brilliant. She was amazing little trainer. She had some fantastic skills. And by the end, he was fantastic. He would he did yeah. so well, they did so well together. So we do sort of encourage the older children to really get yeah. involved in the training aspect. Um, yeah. so that they're learning how to train behaviours and it could be simple stuff as just basic obedience or sits down yeah. stands, walking nicely next to them yeah. or um, they could start t- teaching more advanced stuff if they do get into it um, we had a, a girl came to our Hoopers classes and she at the time was probably about 13, 14 the level of training she had done with her dogs was incredible she's taken yeah. her dogs to Crufts oh, wow. um, she has competed for agility, for grooming. She has done so many different stuff with her dogs. They are brilliant. And she, again, is a child. So I think it's it's making sure that they are actively involved in training once they get to an appropriate age. However, yeah. I think that your boys are six and two. Six and two, um, yeah. Six is kind of getting to the point where you could start yeah. to do more, but the two-year-old isn't going to have enough understanding to be able to do it. So like yeah. you said, the hands-off interaction is really good. Yes, kids make brilliant little trainers. I think where they're at school and they're they're in the their their brains are learning all the time. Um, sometimes they're better hand well, they are better handlers than their um, parents. So and yeah, the the more again the communication that we create with create with our children and our dogs, you know, if dogs that like to jump up at children, let's teach our dogs to sit and you know, just an incompatible behavior like that. Something so simple, um, again, can stop the children from running and screaming and getting upset or overexcited and that encouraging the dog to continue with whatever behavior that they were doing. So lots of nice, calm, um, interaction. I think as well, um, if you, if it's a, you know, if it's a family getting a puppy, I think it's a really good idea to get a fake dog and show the child where where's appropriate to touch and how to touch not hands not going over the head you know um and and again learning yourself what's a healthy healthy dog for yourself as well so um a lot of children tend to, to collar grab and you know and all those kind of things and it's just you know we need to, dogs to understand that collar grabbing means good things from in case of emergency so i do i do think that um knowing how to correctly handle a dog for the children is really really important yeah. um and then hopefully we'll start seeing those terrible videos of children sitting on dogs <laughs> disappearing yeah i think it is something that i've started to see a lot more of is videos or funny videos funny yeah. um posture, mm. um videos on like tiktok especially um because obviously that is more of a video platform um, yeah. and even on facebook and other platforms of either pictures of dogs with kids like sat on them or babies newborn babies like propped up on the on the dog yeah. to get a photo stuff yeah. like that um and it's to get a funny picture or a cute picture or a video and yeah. um, yeah. there was one that I saw recently which honestly it made me cringe so badly it was a rottweiler and um the rottweiler the child walked into the room and the rottweiler growled um and the mum came in and shouted at the dog and told the dog to give the child kisses yeah. And then yeah. the dog kind of did lots of stress signals. Ears went down. You saw the whites of her eyes. So she got the whale yeah. eye. She was lip licking. She was turning her head away. And then eventually she went up and she licked the child's face. Oh, and I was, it, honestly, I was watching it and cringing so badly because all I could think was that child is going to end up with getting her face bitten. Yeah. 
if yeah. the mum keeps pushing that dog into situations like that yeah that yeah and, at, and licking the child's face as after this yeah. he's just shown that sort of I'm really uncomfortable um that is a re- recipe for getting your child's face bitten um, yeah absolutely and like you said that the videos of kids bouncing on big dogs backs and yeah pulling yeah. dogs furs and things like that I think and and videos of like kids holding puppies by legs and tails and stuff and yeah. it's, it's it's not cute it's not funny it's and even even a child crawling up crawling up to a, um, a dog um yeah. and you know I I was speaking to a client only last week and she said that she's um been getting her children to um put their hand in their dog's food um so they learn that that like so that you know the dog will learn that this this is what's going to happen. And I said, you you create in a resource garden. You know, if I ask uh, the example I, I always give, if you're having a roast dinner and I came and take your Yorkshire puddings, <laughs> I said the first time you're going to think I'm rude. I, I, if I keep doing it, you're going to have a go at me. You know, so I said, if if anything, your kids should be tossing food at the dog when the dog's eating. Yeah. Or your dog should be behind a baby gate, behind yeah. a baby gate during meal times. You it's know, it's so important to have these safe spaces in terms of yeah. like for me I always explain to clients that your bedroom is it, it's the one place where it is like truly yours in terms of yes your house is yours but people come over they come into your living room you you exercise and exercise there um however your bedroom is kind of it's quite a sacred space it's where only you and, and your partner generally go unless you have children they just go everywhere um, <laughs> my my private safe place is the toilet. Yes, um, <laughs> I go in there and lock the door. <laughs> yeah, but that is that is your safe space to have, and yeah, I think no, totally, dogs deserve yeah. that as well. Is to have somewhere that they can sleep, they can rest, yes. and know yeah. that they're not going to be bothered. Now, yeah. depending on the age of your child or the setup of your home, that may look like a crate. Yeah, it may look like a dog room. I have a dog room yeah um, which is it's it's got a baby gate on it just to, if they're really dirty and mucky they go in there but we know that if my dogs are sleeping it's let sleeping dog lie it's that old yeah. saying let sleeping dogs lie well, I think sleep is so important as well like sleep you know you know it's like I feel well for the past week my my little one's not been sleeping very well and I just feel crappy you know I feel agitated um snappy you know when, when we're in a house, we've got young children running around screaming all day, interrupted sleep for the, these dogs and puppies or adult dogs, doesn't matter the age, um, they need to sleep more often than not. Um, so making sure that they get that time. Yeah. Uh, when Sophie when Sophie wants to relax, and I keep referring to Sophie, but she's just taught me so much. But, you know, when I start to notice some stress signals from her, I, I would take her down the other end of the house. And in the beginning, there was a bit of barrier frustration because, you know, she wanted to be with us. So I, I made it really worth her while to go down there. And what I started to notice was when she was being uncomfortable, she was actually starting to remove herself. She was actually trotting down the hallway and she'd come into my room and remove herself. And I'd close the baby gate so nobody could follow her. And she has all this end of the house, um, but she prefers to come into my room when she wants that quiet time. But she also likes quiet time on the couch, and that's just not feasible when you've got two kids. So it was really amazing to see that she was basically, um, you know, dist- distancing herself or creating herself from, you know, the, the from, from feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, and um, making sure that the access to that is available because there's yes, no use yeah. having – um their bed in a different room if the doors yeah. are shut and they can't go there yeah. they need that space so making yeah. sure that they have kind of a route of escape should they feel like wow this is getting too much I'm going to take myself to bed and then finding yeah. that they can't or they're trapped in the room making sure that you kind of you give them op- options to to be able to get to those places yeah. that we've tried to create um as well um in terms of obviously like introducing dogs and babies or kids can come in sort of different forms in terms of it may be that you already have a dog in the house and you bring in you're bringing a new baby home or yeah. if you're adopting a child and um, what can people kind of do to kind of help the dog adjust to obviously because it's, it's a massive change like having a baby yes. is a complete change um yeah I feel like that could be a slight understatement but um, <laughs> yeah but everything literally like every aspect of this dog's life is about to change in terms of mum is probably going to be home now for a long time where she wasn't she probably was out working um everything is kind of changing what can people do to kind of support their dogs um 
through bringing a new child or baby yeah well I think that reducing exercise is really important you know you might not get that one hour walk every day if you've got you know a baby that's up all night you just might not fill up to it um you know dogs that are sensitive to movement or objects even walking the dog with an empty pram before the baby's here let's get the dogs used to all these weird things that are going to be coming into the home I set up the bassinet by the side of the bed months before uh, there was a baby in it um having the toys out because some of these toys move funny they got beeping noises um you know you can play sounds of babies crying on really low really low volume we want the dog to notice but not be alarmed um you know whilst you're playing with your dog or you're you know doing um you know licky mats and you know kongs things like that so they can hear it and we're desensitizing it and we've got time to build on that um, you know, especially if it's dogs with that do have a, a predatory response to, you know, yelping, you know, yelping um, animals or, you know, you, you might not even know that your dog has a predatory response to to those kind of sounds. Um, so, uh, you know. Yeah, increasing enrichment. So just looking up different enrichment ideas, getting your dog used to um working for their food so sometimes enrichment can cause frustration if dogs aren't taught how to use it properly so guiding your dog through all that getting the baby gate set up before the baby comes because you know like I mentioned with Sophie you can get that barrier frustration she doesn't have the barrier frustration with the baby gate on our bedroom door or on the baby's room but she did in the middle of the hallway because that was new so you know having baby gates where you know, if you have it on the baby's room, the baby can have floor time and you don't have to necessarily actively supervise because you've got that gate there. Um, you know, once you've had the baby, bringing home, you know, nappies and um, smells, don't force the dog and the baby to become best friends in the first day. You know, don't go, here you go, dog, here's my brand new baby. They will hear and smell the baby in the house. Let them get used to the changes, you know, being up in the night. If you do have a dog that sleeps on your bed, a baby gate on your bedroom door is really important. Sophie sleeps on our bed and there'll be times during the day where the baby would be sleeping on the bed, not in the bassinet. Even if they were in the bassinet, we don't want a dog to freely come in here and possibly jump on the baby or um, be on the bed sleeping. Baby cries, startles, you know, who knows what could happen? Possibly nothing, but management and precaution is just, it's, it's just so important. Man- management and prevention is, is I feel like, just as important as training, if not more important. I always try and set it up for, like, lazy dog trainers. When I say lazy dog trainers, let's make it as simple as possible um, for everyone to get, you know, be safe. Um, so 100% baby gates. Um, yeah, I think the point that you made earlier as well about the age of the baby, um, Beth, who, if any of you have worked with us, you you will have been in contact with Beth. Um, Beth is like superwoman. She has four collies and two young toddlers. Um, and she found that Evie, her youngest, loves her children when they were newborn babies. But the second that they moved into toddler phase, Evie now gives them both a wide berth. Um, it's not she doesn't like them, but it's the movement that that... Yeah, that, unpredictable. Yeah, the change of the sort of the, the, the life stage of the baby has affected how each of the dogs interact with the babies and or with the children. So just because your dog was okay with your child as a baby doesn't necessarily mean they're going Absolutely. to be okay with your child as a toddler. Yeah. They may find yeah. actually know that this is worrying for them and it takes them a bit of time to acclimatize or yeah. get used to different stuff. And um, yeah. so like I said, it's make sure that it's kind of it's a continuous thing it's not something that right you brought your baby home that's it it's something yeah. you probably have to keep working at throughout your it dog changes. absolutely your management's going to change as your as your child changes um you know with with Sophie she you know we had her genetically DNA tested when she was um um spayed um so I wanted to understand what breeds were in her that she'd need outlets for and what breeds that, um, you know, I needed to sort of not be careful of, but could potentially um, escalate or, you know, one of her biggest things is she used to run and nip my son on the bum. So that's the healer in her, you know. So we would, well, I taught her to run with something in her mouth. So when she gets excited, it's almost like a stressful for her. Again, it's an incompatible behaviour because, she can't bite him on the bum <laughs> if she's got something in her mouth and we 
reinforced it so much to the point that when she's excited now she literally just picks things up so if you come in through the front door she'll come she'll bring you a shoe or she'll bring you whatever's closest to her because she carrying something in her mouth maybe she's got gun dog in her as well (laughs) but carrying something in her mouth makes her feel good um and I know you know when she is playing with my son um that if she's got something in her mouth then um he's going to have a lower chance of a, of a nip. Um, and also she's a growly player as well. So she will growl when she plays. And when you first hear that, you might think, oh, my goodness, your dog's growling at your child. I swear my neighbours must think the worst of what's going on in my garden sometimes. But also the, the, the level of her growl when she plays is information to me. If it gets really fast and loud, I know that she needs like a scatter feed or a timeout um, from the play because she's getting to the point where, there could be a drift from, you know, the, the arousal is going too high that she's the thinking part of her brain is probably going to disappear soon. And when I'm saying this, I'm watching them, by the way, I am watching them. But they, you know, they like to jump in the trampoline together. They like to run together. They like to, you know, they're, they're best mates. Um, but it's understanding as well her communication so I you know I can hear that that arousal is getting higher okay we need to bring it down a a, a notch just like when kids play when kids play that if you don't interrupt it sometimes someone's going to come in crying because they've gotten overexcited and slapped someone too hard um I've lost track of what I'm saying now (laughs) I've waffled on too much what are we saying (laughs) um we were discussing new babies and dogs Yes, okay, the the management changes with the age, absolutely. Yeah, and do you know what? I think it's so important as well to, if if it comes to the point that you need to rehome your dog, like you haven't failed, you haven't failed, you know, you haven't failed your dog, you haven't failed failed your child, you've kept them safe because your dog is living in fear and that's no place to live. They don't choose to live in our house and our housemates. We choose that for them. So if it means that your dog lives in a, in a household with no children, then that's just the way that, it, that it's going to be. I feel like that is something that kind of really hits home for me um, in terms of one of our dogs, Nutmeg, is a Springer Cross Poodle, not a breed I would have chosen by any stretch of the imagination. The hair is just... Poodle. All right. <laughs> um, but uh, she was a client's dog. We walked her for, from when she was a young like pup. I'd known her since she was about sort of five, six months old. We'd walked her entire life. Um, and then the couple that had her at the time had been told that they couldn't have children. They then brilliantly fell pregnant. They now have a child. However, um, this was something that Nutmeg just really struggled with. And she became incredibly anxious um, in the home. She would pace all night. If they were up with the night feed, she would just pace back and forth. She was barking a lot. Um, She was just really anxious and she was really struggling. And obviously... The, the couple were a new 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 parents new family yeah, that's um, just for myself they just didn't have the time that nutmeg needed and it wasn't the right environment to do the training as well yeah. um in terms of it just it wasn't working for anybody um and they they made the decision to rehome her um at which point i was like i can't see this dog going to kennels she's she's a fantastic dog she's absolutely brilliant yeah. um but I was like, she cannot go into kennels. So I was like, right, we'll take her. We'll have her. So me and my mum share her. Um, and she's, I literally, I turned up in the in the um, the field one day and I was like, oh, mum, you need to come out into the field. I was like, I've got something to show you. And she's like, Ellen, it better not be another bloody dog. I was like, uh, <laughs> no. I was like, just just come out. Just just come out quickly. Um, I came out. I was like, so at the time, I was like, this is Willow. Um, Willow needs a home. I think Willow should live with us. Um, and Aww. then mum was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, let me have a night to think about it. And then I got a text through from my mum that night saying, I've spoke to your dad, we've decided we can have her. And then like half an hour later, I got a text from the owner saying, we really can't ha- keep her here anymore. She's too yes, stressed. Perfect. Need to be. Either yeah. you, you, you need to take her off. She's going to go into kennels this weekend. Yeah. And that was it. We've had nutmeg ever since. And we've, we've worked through a lot of her issues. She used to have a lot of issues with pacing and barking when she got really anxious. She had yeah. no recall. We ended up having to lift our fence another foot higher because she used to come out the back door straight over the fence and be gone for like 45 minutes an hour. She couldn't wow. be in the garden off lead. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's now at the point where she's, she's off lead on most walks she's brilliant she's amazing and she's yeah. content and happy and yeah. the family are content and happy in, in their little family bubble yeah but I think it's 
having that that it's not that you failed it's just that sometimes no. it's not the right environment yeah you and again that's you know we're taking you, you're taking precautions and um but eventually if it did become a bite you would end up rehoming your dog so you know it's better that you do it beforehand don't wait for that to happen and it can it could be to the point where you've done all the training you've done you know pharmaceutical support it, it just isn't the right home so when I see Facebook posts or things where it's like um you know dog is for life not when you have a baby not when you move home it's like do you know what sometimes sometimes it's better off for the dog and for the family for that dog to be in a different home yeah. and you know and, and it's the happiness and the safety of everyone involved massively and it's not I think there is a lot of guilt around rehoming your dog and it's it, it always will be there always will be yeah I think I think it's normal yeah but for a lot of family it's kind of it's a process they have to go through and a lot of yeah. people don't want to give up their dog and no. they, they love them but yeah. they can kind of see that it's not the right environment it's not going to work through yeah. but it's something that you can support someone through, but you can't make that decision for them. They have Absolutely. to make that decision on their own. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. So you've kind of you've obviously mentioned about Sophie and Sophie being she's got a couple of herding breeds in her. She's got Kelpie and um her- Kelpie Healer. Yeah. Um, so you know uh, you, you get healers over there, don't you? So Healer is an Australian Not cattle particular um, often. Yeah, so they're bred to the you know nip the um the cattle on the heel to get them moving because we're you know being a bigger animal that the, the stare doesn't sometimes do the job so um you know when they when they're running and, and moving that's how they change direction and, and control the cattle um so sophie absolutely has all those breeds in her um so she's got a staffy in her as well so the terrier in her is ready for action likes to rip things up um yeah and we got the the um kelpie in her as well which is also another um sort of herding herding breed as well so um that she has more in her she also has bull terrier beagle greyhound but they're further um lower percentages um and actually the kelpie was quite a low percentage but if you look at her she looks like a she looks like a kelpie staffy and she definitely act like one but we've she you know we've done a, I've well I say we I've done a lot of work with her um you know as a puppy she used to lunge at cyclists um you know obviously the running children um you, you pick up the cat she'd jump up at the cat that's where the recall recall was really really handy if I saw her looking intense around the cat I'd call her over to me um and now she's my she's my my first stooge dog or helper dog that I use for all my um, anxiety reactivity cases. So, and you know we live on a cycle path, and she doesn't even look look at them anymore. She doesn't even notice them. So she's she's absolutely beautiful. She I, I couldn't imagine life without her. But she was a terrible puppy. <laughs> she was oh, awful. Really? <laughs> there was days where I, I was like, I'll look after you, but I don't like you. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it it taught me a lot. It taught me about empathy, compassion for clients that have difficult puppies with or without children. It taught me ways that children can be involved with her. I mean, there were some mornings getting ready for work that I would actually put my son inside a cardboard box so he could draw on the inside of the box so she didn't jump up and bite on him and pull on him. So she got some free time in the house whilst he was in his crate, so to speak. You know, we created a beautiful like. in the laundry area, we had everything she needed in there, snuffle mats, wobblers, it, um, you know, spent a fortune on chews for her, it, you know, everything you can imagine. Uh, but being a street dog, so she was from um, regional WA, um, she would scavenge, um, you know, I don't know what happened to her the first eight weeks of her life. She was found under a house and she and then she was in foster care and flew down and I picked her up at the airport. And I assume that it was her... Um, her, her siblings they looked quite similar but I don't I don't know anything about her so I went into work with taking her out everywhere um safe exposure so when we would see children I would feed her because I didn't want her to run to children to think that they were going to feed her um you know all the work with the movement um when picking up children I think it's really important to teach you know again another incompatible behavior so although these dogs go from action really really quickly they are bred to listen to direction throughout that arousal so you know teaching a dog to sit when you're about to pick up the child or you know you can practice that you stand up with your child you ask your dog to sit so the cue of picking up your child 
so that picking up your child becomes a cue for your dog to sit or to go somewhere else um you know reducing frustration in other areas as well so you know the lunging at the bikes and movement um so but that went away very quickly because of the fact I had to push prams we had we had um bikes coming out with us on walks um but just trying to be creative with with um ways that they could interact together um that's that's where she really 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 helped me um taught me a lot so obviously you you live with a herding breed would you think or do you think that collies and other herding breeds can live with children then I definitely do I definitely do I think that um it breaks my heart sometimes because you think to yourself wow if this dog was out doing what it's supposed to do it'd probably be really really good at its job and so you know seeing when there's already like a the the, the dog's already in the home and the child is born you, these dogs know that they're not supposed to bite um but these children are moving um you know and they want to create order out of chaos um from this chaos and, and you can see the conflict of I'm, I'm i'm meant to do this but i'm not supposed to but absolutely these dogs can live with children it's just education for the for the clients you know stop throwing the ball let's let's get them you know holistic approach reduce frustration in every area of the dog's life increase enrichment let's teach this dog to switch off when it's like um the busier time of the evening where it's like bath and bed and everything's a bit chaotic that is the perfect time for your dog to go on the other side of a baby gate and have uh, a stuffed kong licky mat snuffle mat all those types of things um so they don't practice trying to um, do a job that they're not supposed to really be doing um but again it needs to be a holistic approach so there's other areas that the dogs are uh, you know struggling with if it's movement outside of the home or reactivity issues that all needs to be addressed as well it's not it's not just in the home um but i think that they can be beautiful be- like I, I wouldn't change sophie for the world um and these dogs just need a little bit of help they just need a little bit of help and even sometimes after the first session i i I hear from the clients that, oh, my goodness, just putting a few management places in order, this dog is way way less stressed, way less stressed. Yeah. You know? I know I was speaking to Beth. Obviously, Beth has four collies and two young kids. Some of the best things she's taught her dogs is to settle, room settle. So yeah. to settle yeah. in a room where she is not, effectively, yes. um, yeah. so that they can have that calm space. Or um, another really useful thing is to station, so to go somewhere when told, so yeah. to go to bed on the sofa so that she yeah. can move her dogs around without having to get hands on because she might be holding the baby or something. She yes. can off, get off the sofa or on yeah. your bed or whatever. So the dog is listening and going, oh, okay, I need to move there. So it's a really yeah. useful thing that she's used yeah. um, when her son's playing with his fire trucks because he used to, he likes to ram fire trucks at you. Um, yeah. Also extends to at the dogs. So she's able to say, right, move in your bed on your sofa to get them out of yeah. the way or she'll put them. She also has a dog room um, where she'll put them in the other room and they will settle in the room yeah. behind yeah. the baby gate, behind the door. And they're quite happy to just snooze and chill and they've got their peace of mind and she's got peace of mind that her kids are safe and her dogs are equally not getting rammed by fire trucks or getting hit yeah. on the head with blocks or That's whatever so else that they're playing with. Yeah. We, we have, um, so my boys love Nerf guns and we can only play with Nerf guns the days that Sophie's at daycare because she can't cope with it. She absolutely can't cope. I can't stand them, but they need to play it when I'm not home as well. But, you know, there's it's, it's, it's kind of having realistic expectations and, and helping, helping your dog out as well. So, you know, the remote control cars, she gets wild with them. She loves chasing them. As long as the kids don't mind that she's going to probably pick them up. Okay. You know, otherwise, let's not play the games that's going to get the dogs excited. Um, I love what Kim Brophy talks about, the, the SEC, so the response to sudden environmental change. This is what these dogs are meant to do. They they got a sensitive keen eye for movement and, and um, um, you know, and, excite, and it excites them. Or it can go the other way and it cause, cause, cause anxiety. So if, you're, if your children are going to play certain games that are going to upset your dog or excite them, that's going to upset the children, or if it's going to cause um, arousal levels that may lead to a nip, let's set, the, let's set everybody up first. Let's give the dog something to do, and then the kids can go do what they need to do. Or the dog goes for a walk with a, a, one of the parents, and then the other parent is at home with the kid doing whatever games that they want to play. I love colouring in. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great thing for kids to do. <laughs> um 
but yeah, absolutely. The stationing, having a really good recall as well and asking the, a, a downstay. And like I mentioned before, these dogs are supposed to listen to direction during these, these intense, you know, um, situations. So oh, Sophie's come back in to join us. No, she's up on the bed now. Mm-hmm. Um, she was wondering what I was doing before. So, you know, I just think that, um, you know, even write a list of your triggers. What triggers your dog? Okay, let's understand what what we can, you know, she's not good with this, they're good with that, they're not good with this, they're good with that. Okay, let's how how can we how can we create that in in the in the home as um um what's the word I'm looking for? Proactive. Let's be proactive all the time. Yeah. Um, and you just got to plan, you just got to plan ahead a bit. You just got to plan ahead a little bit. Um, you know, nap time when the kids are napping, the dog gets freedom of the house. Spend some time with your dog. You know, play some games with your dog. Oh, I need to do your sheet ball course because although I refer it, I don't know how to do it yet, but I understand yeah. the gist of it. But, uh, you know, play playing game. You don't need a lot of room to do that in your garden and let, do that with your dog whilst the baby's sleeping. Have some good one-on-one time yeah. uh, if, if you're not too tired yourself. Then- well, have a, nap, have a nap with your dog. <laughs> Another thing, like it's also looking like obviously kids come with toys. And um, one of yes. Ethan Beth's little boy's favorite thing is to play with Ollie with a ball. Now he doesn't throw it particularly hard or fast, so it's yeah. it's not a massive issue. But it's something that they can do together. But one thing that Beth has worked on really heavily is the dog doesn't come and snatch from yes. Ethan because obviously yeah. he's only got little hands um, and he, he could quite easily catch his fingers if he was snatching yeah. from him. So Beth's taught the dogs a release cue, which means that they can take the ball. So Ethan will throw the ball. It's more of a drop than a throw. Um, yeah, guys, yeah. Um, and then yeah. Ollie will take the ball once Beth says get it. Um, so teaching boundaries so that your children can interact safely and effectively um, yeah, yeah. with the... the um, with the child or having two toys like having so um i do that with my son so when they're when he throws the ball she gets the ball as she comes back he's got a second ball to throw so then again you know it's brilliant to teach a softer mouth amazing or you could be a lazy trainer like me and just have a few multiple toys that you can just rotate you know and again the kids can't throw it very far half of them end up over the fence but <laughs> for the dog next door but you know um yeah absolutely Brilliant. that's it being proactive yeah no I think this you've brought up some fantastic points there of, of how to manage how to sort of build a better relationship and also like you say making sure that you're you're being active when your dog is with your child or in the same yes. sort of space being active and present so that you're not like there but on your phone or yeah yeah stuff yeah. like that because you're not actively watching you are you are there but you're not actively there so I think yes. that's they're kind of the key takeaways is make sure it's planning and preparation making sure that you're yeah. setting yourself the dog and the child up for success we're kind of not just throwing them into yeah. the melee um so thank you so much for coming down onto the show um oh, thank you been- for having me it's been a really, really good chat. Um, I think there's been some brilliant points raised there. Um, and I will see you all next week. Yeah, thank you. See you, everyone. Bye.